give yourselves a round of applause. You got out of bed this morning. You got out of bed. And we celebrate getting out of bed because it's Labor Day weekend and you could be in bed still. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's no uh, simple task to get out of bed. We, we just do it, right? But uh, believe it or not, it's really not that simple because some people didn't get out of bed this morning. So uh, we're so glad that you're here. Um, real quick, before I get started, I want to talk about um, one thing that we have coming up in two weeks. And that is small groups. Uh, small groups will kick off in two weeks. We just concluded a semester of them. And then they'll kick off uh, in, in two weeks. I'm not exactly sure of the date right now. But uh, in two weeks, they'll kick off. Actually, it's September 23rd, I just remembered. Uh, because we're doing it on the same day as our water baptism. And, um, and so uh, as we kick off small groups, I want you to know that if you really want connection, you really want to get uh, like connected with people of the refuge, the best way to do that is in small groups. And I'm really excited for them because uh, I'm going to be teaching or leading a small group uh, based on a book that I just started reading called Fathered by God. It's the, the book talks about how, um, how God fathers us as, as men and as boys, and, and, and not just, so I say fathers us. I just opened up a whole can that I shouldn't have. Um, you can laugh. It's okay. So um, it's written for men. However, it's it, like God fathers women differently than he fathers men. And so um, it's, it's just, it's, just a, it's, a, it's a good book. It's written by a guy named John Eldridge. And so uh, ladies, it's, it's a men's only Bible study, but I want you to invite the men in your life to be a part of that small group that'll kick off in two weeks. I'm really, really, really excited about it. Um, so, and then water baptisms are September 23rd. We just had baptisms this last week, which was uh, phenomenal. If you've never been baptized, we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we get closer to September 23rd, but it'll be the last opportunity before a long winter break of water baptisms because it's going to start to get cold after September 23rd. That was one of those dates that we picked out, and we were like, is it going to be cold? Is it going to be cold? Well, we're going to get to keep the water as hot as possible, so that's all that matters. Uh, this last time that we did baptisms, the water was over 100 degrees when we hauled the, tr the tank uh, from my house uh, to the school, and uh, it, was, it was very comfortable. And uh, that's, we'll, we'll make it as comfortable as possible because we know that uh, baptism is not something that's comfortable to do. So uh, we'll make it as comfortable as possible for you. Today we are in week two of this series called Baggage. I'm really excited for it. Uh, last week we talked about how we all carry baggage in life uh, and how uh, I hate to travel, but when I travel I have to answer this question, do I carry on or do I check my bag? And how I hate to, people hate to check their bags at the airport because they're, well, they're afraid of the baggage claim. They're afraid that their bag's not going to be there when they get there. They're also afraid of the other people that are trying to get to their bags, wondering if they're going to grab the right bag or not. And so we talked about how all of us need to check our bags in life. Uh, the baggage that we carry, we need to let it go. And so today we're going to get specific and talk about the specific baggage known as guilt and shame. 
the baggage known as guilt and shame. We're going to talk about that today, but I want, I want to give you a little, a little forward thinking so that you know where we're headed in this series. So next week, we're going to talk about the baggage of relationships. <laughs> so we all know that we've had some baggage in relationships, even those of us that um, have only had one girlfriend in our lives, right, other than our spouse. Um, there's still baggage that comes in relationships. And so next week, we're going to get specific about talking about the baggage of, baggage of relationships. And then week three, we're going to talk about uh, the one bag that just won't let go. We all have it. It's different for all of us. But that bag that we just can't let go of. And then finally, we're going to talk about what it means to live free. We're going to talk about what it means to stay free from baggage. And that's uh, the final week of our series. But for today, we're going to get into the baggage of guilt and shame. Now, as I started studying for this message, um, I, I, I thought it was one of those messages that I thought, oh, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't, like, this will be an easy one for me to deliver because I don't really struggle with guilt and shame. And then I started studying it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so it's one of those messages that as I, I want you to know as I, as I preach it to you, I'm preaching it to myself. Because we all struggle with guilt and shame to an extent. And so um, we're going to talk about the subject of guilt and shame. Let's pray real quick. God, thank you so much for um, the way you free us, for the way that you love us, the way that you care for us, the way that you want to father us. Lord, thank you for the way that you deliver us from the evil of this world. Lord, that you set us up to live in freedom but, Lord, we have to choose freedom. It's a choice. So, God, I pray that we would all choose freedom today and that we would release some baggage that we carry. Even those that are sitting there saying, I don't struggle with guilt and shame. Lord, I pray that you may point out areas of their lives that they've, they've hidden. Lord, that's the hard part. I know that was the hard part for me as I realized that the area of guilt and shame that I fight with is the areas of my, my life that I don't want anyone else to know about. God, I pray that you would be with us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I had this friend that uh, a, a few years ago, uh, I say a few years ago, shoot, it's been, um, it's probably been 12 years now. He left the Christian faith completely. Um, and, and I know that there's some, some theology there that I'm not going to get into today. That's not the purpose of this discussion. But my friend left the Christian faith. And when he left, he told me, he said, Adam, he said, I have never been more free than when I left religion because I no longer experience guilt. When I do something that I shouldn't. Because I no longer experience shame when I do something different. And I couldn't help but to think about what he said and realize that maybe it's not the way that he was looking at what he was doing. But maybe it was the, the way that he was looking at God that was off. You see, the God that I talk to you about every Sunday isn't a God that wants you to feel guilty when you do something wrong. He doesn't want you to do wrong in the first place, but he doesn't desire you to feel guilty when you do wrong. 
And so I was thinking about, about, about when I lived in Illinois and how flat Illinois is. It's a, it's a flat state. Uh, for those of you that are visiting, my wife and I moved here from uh, the land of Lincoln to start a church uh, in uh, vacation land, right? Sounds a lot better than the land of Lincoln anyway. And so um, we, we moved here from Illinois to start a church. My wife is from Boston, and so that drew us up this area, up to this area. And uh, while I lived in Illinois, I, I realized <laughs> that I like to get places fast. Because it was so flat was my excuse, at least. Uh, and by go by getting fast, I mean, I like to go faster than I was supposed to. You know how there's the white sign on the road that has the, the speed limit. Uh, and, and, and so I like to I like to travel quickly. And um, I had a few uh, friends that would stop me to tell me uh, that I couldn't do that. And um, and so. I realized as I was preparing this message that it wasn't because the land was flat, but it was just because my foot is heavy. Because when I was in college, I had the same problem. <laughs> and um, in college, I had my most expensive speeding ticket driving through Dallas, Texas. Somehow, this police officer managed to pull myself over along with the car that I was tailing, right? Because she was my rabbit. I was following her, right? As long as I'm, going, as long as I'm following somebody else, I'm safe. Somehow, this police officer managed to pull us both over. It was amazing. Um, I say it's amazing, but that was a deep ticket. That cost me over $300, most expensive speeding ticket I've ever had in my life. It's a good thing that I was young and dumb and had more money than I should have at the time. Um, and so, and, and it was even better that I wasn't married because <laughs> that might have uh, caused some, uh, some trouble in, in my current household. And um, as I was... As I was in college, there was this one particular night that I remember I stayed over at some friend's house in the country that, uh, that lived, they lived uh, about 20 minutes from the college that I went to. And it was a Monday night, I remember, because I was watching Monday night football at their house, and I stayed a little later than I should have. I had a curfew when I was in college. That's right, I had a curfew when I was in college. I was 23 years old, and I had to be home by 11 o'clock at night. It was Bible college. It's great. You should go. Um, so I went. So I had this curfew of eleven o'clock, and, and I loved college, um, but it was it was it was different. It was I was going to for ministry, and um, because of that, my school had rules to remind me that it wasn't about me. That I needed to uh, submit and and be under their rule. So I'm going back to the college. I'm running late. And I'm going 102 miles an hour in my 1995, 96 Ford Escort. Yeah, Ford Escort. And um, as I'm going towards the school, this police officer is going the opposite direction. And he whips around as soon as he passes me. And he pulls up and he walks up to the car and he says, pushing this thing a little hard, aren't you, son? <laughs> I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, what is so important that you were going over 100 miles an hour for? And I said, um, curfew at Baptist Bible College. <laughs> to which he said, there is no curfew that is worth dying for. I'll be back. Took my, 
couldn't tell my license and registration, and he wrote me a ticket. Thank, thank goodness he had a little grace, and I think he wrote it for, like, going 90 instead of 102, which was just really gracious of him. But here's what I realize when I, when I start thinking about my speeding stories, because I've unfortunately got many more. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you every single one of them. She knows them all. And what I realize, and, and, and as I connect the two, the speeding to my friend that left the faith, here's what I realize. I realize that there are people that are living life that look at God like he's this man with a radar gun trying to catch you speeding. But that's not the God that I serve. The God that I serve isn't the God that's standing over you trying to get you to just submit and trying to get you to do what's right. What's right. He wants you to do what's right. But the fact of the matter is, is he's not this God that just wants to catch you in doing something wrong. It's an unhealthy view of our creator. And as we talk about baggage, I want to get one thing clear. There is a difference between baggage and consequence. There is a difference between baggage and consequence. And the difference is, the, the definition of consequence is this. It's a result or an effect of action or condition. It's a result. The consequence is a result of something that you've done. But the definition of baggage is past experiences or long-held ideas regarding burdens or impediments. So the difference is a result versus an experience. You can choo- you choose the baggage that you carry in life. Consequence is not a choice. Consequence is a result. So I want you to know that when we talk about the baggage of guilt, it's not a consequence. It's baggage. It's something that you're choosing to carry that God says, no, 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 no. That's not intended for you. I intend you to live a free life. A life of free from baggage. Because when Jesus died for us, he took on, he took on our guilt and our shame so that we can live free and righteous in his righteousness. Not ours. You see, if we choose to to live in guilt, what we're saying is is that I'm responsible for my salvation. I'm responsible for getting it. We're going to get more into this in a moment. But we're putting a lot on ourselves. And God is saying, no, no, no. I've done everything to free you. There are a lot of us that hold on to the baggage of guilt because we just can't get over some of the things that we've done in our life. Today I want to talk specifically about this idea that many people believe that God is a God that keeps score. He doesn't. God doesn't keep score. My goal today is well, have any of you ever been to the gym and you've gone in and you've seen those guys that just lifting way too much weight? Like, like, like they've got 
six plates on this side and six plates on this side, and you're going, whoa, how in the world are they doing that? Like, like some of those guys, I just want to walk up to and be like, hey, dude, good job. You did it. You can go home now. Put the weights down. You did it. Go home. Like, you don't need to be here anymore. Your neck is bigger than your forehead. Like, seriously, Pastor Derek Fry, put the weights down, bro. Like, you're good. Like, like seriously, my pastor, uh, for those of you uh, that, that are new, uh, my pastor, Derek Fry, pastors Connect Community Church, um, he's 50 years old and bitches 450 pounds. Um, he is a monster of a man on the outside, but a tender bear on the inside. I love him, so that's why I love him so much. But um, he's a big dude. And some people just need to put the weights down in the gym. Well, my goal today is for some of us to put the weights down in our life. Stop carrying the weight around. Put them down. Go home. It's going to be okay. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28, in the God's Word translation, which is in a, a translation that I read very often, but it says this. Um, and by the way, if you want to follow along on our notes today, they're available for you on the YouVersion Bible app, uh, which they'll put up a, on, on the screen behind me and show you how to get there on your cell phone. Um, but Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, in the God's Word translation, it says this. Come to me, all who are tired. The old school King James Version said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. I remember growing, learning that. Old school King James Version as a five-year-old. But Matthew eleven twenty eight in the God's Word translation says, Come to me, all who are tired of carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. The weight that we are talking about today is the, wilt of, the weight of guilt and shame. Guilt and shame will rob you blind and spend every dime that you have if you allow it to. In Psalm chapter 38, verse 4. King David wrote, and King David was a, was a, a man that, that God said, King David is a man after my own heart. And in verse, 30, in verse 4 of chapter 38 of, of Psalms, David wrote, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden that is too heavy to carry. It's a burden that's too heavy to bear. I can't carry it any longer. This burden that I have is too heavy. And ladies and gentlemen, if it was too heavy for King David, I think it's too heavy for us. Something that I've recently been captivated by is, um, is, is it found in the story of creation, but um, it's based upon this idea that I learned in college known as the law of first mention. The law of first mention, what, what the law of first mention does in, in, in studying scripture is the law of first mention says, if you want to know something more about a subject, look at the first time that it's mentioned in the, in the word of God. And so... Um, the subject that I want that I that I'm talking about is the subject of sin, and so when you look at the law of first mention and you look at the subject of sin, look at Genesis chapter two verse twenty five. Are you with me? I see some nodders out there. All right, I'm not nodders like yes, nodders like. All right, stay with me. All right, Psalm or uh, Genesis chapter two verse twenty five says this says, now the man. And his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Adam and Eve go on from this moment to eat, the, eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They choose 
knowledge of good and evil over the tree of life, and they sin because they disobey God. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says this. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened after they ate the fruit. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig trees, fig leaves together, and they covered themselves. For some of you, the best result of sin was that you got clothes, right? Just imagine, no, don't imagine that, okay? This result, the result of sin has always captivated me because what happens is you look at how Adam and Eve felt after they sinned for the first time. The very first emotion that mankind felt after sin was the emotion of sin, or I'm sorry, the emotion of shame, also known as guilt. The reason why so many of us carry along with us the baggage of guilt and shame is because it's the exact same emotion that Adam and Eve felt in the Garden of Eden. It's the same baggage that they had. Adam and Eve had a perfect marriage prior to sin. No clothes, no in-laws. Come on, right? Think about that for a moment. It was perfect. And then they messed it up, and all of a sudden guilt enters the picture. Shame enters the picture, and their whole family is affected by their shame and their guilt. It's affected so much that their son Cain kills their son Abel over a bunch of vegetables. You can read it in Genesis chapter 4. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. God wants us to live in freedom. That's why he told Adam and Eve in the garden to not choose that, that, that tree of knowledge of good and evil, but to choose the tree of life. And as soon as they ate the fruit of knowledge and good of evil, they instantly felt guilt and shame because they did something that God didn't want them to do. As you carry the baggage of guilt and the baggage of shame, I want you to know this morning, that's not the life God intended for us. He's not standing there saying, what are they going to do now so that I can mess up their life? That's not the God that I serve. But here is this problem that I believe that a lot of people, even people that are mature in their faith, even people that have been around church for a long time, I have this feeling that if I were to send out a poll to Christians, they would answer it by saying, and, and, and the poll would, would ask them this question, do you believe that God holds anything against you that you've done in your life? I believe that if we were to dig into so many Christians' hearts, people that have committed to following Jesus, I believe if we really dig into their hearts that they probably believe that there's one or two things in their life that God probably holds against them because they've done something that God hates. If you really dig down into the heart, we tend to think that 
God could never forgive me from that. Psalm chapter 103, verse 12 says, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. He forgets about them. God doesn't keep score. Why do we? And so for the remaining part of our time, I want to talk to you. First, I want to give you three consequences of letting, letting down our baggage of guilt. When we let it go, these are three things that happen. Or, I'm sorry. Three, these, so that's later on in the message. But first, I'm going to give you um, three things that allow, that cause us to carry our guilt and shame. The first one, this will clear it up, is when you have painful regret. So oftentimes, when you have painful regret, you tend to carry that baggage of guilt with you. The painful regret. If you go down the road of the world, so to speak, my dad used to tell me this. He used to say, Adam, sin is fun for a season. He used to say that. Sin is fun for a season. If you go down the world, the world's road, it's going to be fun for a little while. But then regret will set in, and you'll start to carry baggage of guilt and regret and shame. But I have never met a person that has given their lives to follow Jesus, given their lives to serve him, that have ever regretted it. I've never met a person to serve Jesus and regret it. But I have met people that have done things of the world that have regretted the baggage of guilt and shame. Painful regret often causes us to experience. If anyone should have felt guilty, it was this man by the name of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a man that was prior to being known as Paul, he was known as Saul. And while he was known as Saul, he met Jesus on this road called Damascus. He was headed to this city called Damascus. And so Jesus appears to him and Jesus changes his name to Paul. And, and, but prior to that, Saul was this terrorist of a man. He was a man that would kill Christians because they were Christians. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54 through 58, you can turn there. There's a story of the... Of, of Saul murdering this man by the name of Stephen because Stephen was a follower of Jesus. We call people that have been killed for their faith martyrs. Stephen was the first martyr. In Acts chapter 7, verse 54, it says the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the pl in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 57. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and they let and they laid them down at the feet of a young man 
Saul. If anyone should have felt guilty, it's this man by the name of Saul. Because he killed, it, he killed Christians for, just because they were Christians. But later on, Paul wrote the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 1, when he said, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That word condemnation, it's, it's an interesting word. But it simply means, uh, when, you, when, you, when you dig down into it, it simply means damnatory sentence. Like, like damnatory sentence simply means like it's, it's the, worst, like the worst accusation of guilt that you can get. It's a guilty verdict. And so what Paul is saying is, is that there is no guilty verdict for those who belong to Jesus. I said there is no guilty verdict for those who belong to Jesus. That should make you want to shout. There is no guilty verdict for those that belong to Jesus because of what Jesus has done and not because of us. But what happens when we carry the baggage of guilt and shame in our lives is we say, you know what, God? The blood of Jesus is good enough for you to forgive me. But it's not good enough for me to forgive myself. If the blood of Jesus is good enough for God to forgive you, it should be good enough for you to forgive you. Jesus was this innocent man that was brought before a judge and he was found as guilty because he claimed to be the son of God. They took him and they beat him with this thing called the cat of nine tails that would one strip the Bible, like the Bible says that one, one skilled Roman soldier with one swipe could wipe the skin off the back of a man. And he got beaten 40 times. And then he's, he, he is told to carry his cross up this hill called Golgotha. He goes up to the hill of Golgotha, and, and he's beaten so much that he couldn't even carry the cross anymore. That they had to, carry, they had to get this, this man out of the audience and say, you carry his cross for us. And he goes up, Jesus goes up, and they hang him on the cross between heaven and earth. And at that moment, God says to him, or Jesus says, it is finished. He takes his last breath. But before he does, he says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you turned your back on me? And the reason that, that, that God turns his back on his son Jesus is because at that moment, the weight of the sin of, of sin of the world is on his shoulders. For you and for me, And if at that moment, God turns his back on his son that he loves, just so that he could look at me in the future, that is enough for me to forgive myself of all the rotten, stinking, stupid things that I've done in my life. 
We are not guilty because of Jesus. Not because of us. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. So don't think of yourself so highly as to think that you have anything to do with it. The second thing, the second reason why we carry the baggage of guilt is because we hold, uh, is when we hold on to it, sorry. The contributor to baggage of guilt and shame is when we hold on to it. So it's just that we can't, we just can't let go. When we just can't let go of, we can't, we hold on to what we've done. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says this man that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has become. When we hold on to our guilt and shame, after we've asked God to forgive us, we're, um, what does it, like, like, how much do we really think of ourselves? If we, if we hold on to it, how much, how, like, we're telling ourselves that we're pretty awesome when we hold on to our guilt. The third contributor is that when we, when we don't allow God to forgive us and to cover us of our sins. So forgiving ourselves, right? So, so the first consequence was painful regret. We regret what we've done. The second consequence is we hold on to it. We just can't let go. The blood of Jesus isn't good enough for us. And then the third one is when we think that the blood of Jesus isn't good enough for God, that God could never forgive me of that. So we hold on to the guilt. Do you understand what I'm saying? You following with me? We say it's not good enough for God. God could never forgive me of what I've looked at. God could never forgive me of my thoughts. God could never forgive me for doing that. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so glad that Jesus is really good at forgiving people. Jesus is really good at forgiving people. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 says, Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Our weakness is an opportunity for God to show up and for God to, to, to be glorified. Our weakness is an opportunity for God to say, hold up. <laughs> Let me step in. And when people see our weakness, they go, whoa, how did he do that? <laughs> well, it's because, because of Jesus. Romans eleven six. And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. I do not deserve what God gives me. For some reason, people have this hard time of receiving a free gift, don't they? You ever have someone offer to buy your lunch and you say, what do you say when they offer to buy your lunch? Oh, you don't have to do that. <laughs> anybody, anybody ever say that? Am I the only one that says, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. You don't have to do that. They say, no, 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 I want to. It's fine. We have a hard time receiving a gift. 
two years ago for Easter, um, it was our first Easter as a church. I might be getting my years mixed up. It might have been last year. I don't remember. But we did um, this thing known as the gas buy-down, where we went to, uh, to the, the mobile gas station on the corner of 302 and River Road. And we offered to pay a portion of the gas for everyone uh, that, that came in to, to get gas. I think gas at the time was like two dollars and thirty-five cents. Wouldn't that be nice right now? I just bought gas yesterday. It was terrible. Two eighty-five. Are you kidding me? Ridiculous. Highway robbery. And um, we we offered to pay a dollar thirty-five of the of the gallons that were that were purchased. And so we we brought the gas down to a dollar a gallon. People were calling the gas station, going, "Is gas really a dollar a gallon?" And they're like. Uh, yeah, but it's only for a limited time. You better get here. And people would show up, and they'd be like, oh, man, I missed it. Like, and they were so mad as we had to turn it back. And, and if I heard anyone say, oh, man, I missed it, I'd say, you know what, just get in line. We'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. We'll do it. And so um, it was an opportunity to, to buy people gasoline, which, which is a burden. And I was blown away when I went inside the gas station to pay the bill. And the attendant there said, we had some donations for you, for your church. I was like, hmm, that wasn't the point. We wanted to give them gasoline. We didn't do this to make money. And, and we didn't make money. <laughs> um, but we collected over $100 in donations that day. It was insane. The reason for that, people it is hard for people to receive a free gift. It's, it's just, it just is. And so what happens is we think that we have to earn this gift called salvation. We think that we have to do something to get it. But what Jesus has done for us, it's already done. It's already paid for. It's free. It's yours. But you have to accept it. You have to believe in him and trust him because belief Plus trust equals faith. It's the trust that we don't want to give. It's the trusting in Jesus that we struggle with. It's the giving our lives to him that we have a hard time. And so I want to wrap up this message with, um, with three things so that you know when you've let the baggage down. Three things that happen when you know you let the baggage down. The first one is when you put the bags down, it changes how you relate to people. It changes how you relate to people. Don't think for a second that your guilt that you carry will not affect your marriage. It will. Again, Adam and Eve, their, their marriage was perfect. But it affected it. It affected it so much that Cain and Abel got into a fight over a sacrifice. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, if you, have any, if, I, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my job complete by being like-minded Having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, 
value others above yourselves. When you value others above yourselves, it's easier to live guilt-free. It's a lot easier to live, uh, to, to value others if you're valuing yourself, right? It's a lot easier to value other people in your life when you value yourself and you say, you know what, I am free from my guilt, I am free from my shame, I am forgiven. You can now forgive others. In the, in, in the Lord's Prayer, one of the things that I've, I've, I've preached for years is that Jesus says, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors. I don't think that we really comprehend what as we forgive our debtors means. Because that means that we have to forgive those that hurt us in order for God to forgive us. That's not how it works. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because I know if God only forgive me the way that I want to forgive other people, that it would be a long road. But the fact of the matter is, is that we have to forgive others, or we have to forgive ourselves before we give others. The second thing, when we put our bags down, it changes how we relate to God. Our relationship with God now isn't one that views him as being the cop with this with the radar gun and now we have a relationship with him where we're not we're not we're not like fearing god because of our consequence or because of what we do but we're fearing god out of health out of out of admiration out of out of respect we're fearing him because we love him as i grew up i feared my dad not because I was afraid that he was going to ground me forever. I feared my dad because I never wanted to let him down. I didn't want to I didn't want to disappoint him. As a child, I didn't want to disappoint my dad. So I lived in fear of him. It's the same way with God. You should love him so much that you don't want to disappoint him with your life. You don't obey him out of the fear of consequence. You obey him out of your love. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Fixing our eyes on G Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the hand of the throne. We're able to relate to God because now we have let go of our guilt and our shame. And finally, we know we let our, our, our guilt and our shame down because it changes how we are used by God. It changes how we are used by God. Now, all of a sudden, because we're not looking at ourselves as guilty, we're looking at ourselves as a servant. And God is able to use that. In Psalm chapter 18, verse 35, this is the last verse for today. It says this, it says, you give me your shield of victory and, you, and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down and make me great. God wants to make all of you great today. God wants to make all of you great again. But the problem is if you're carrying baggage if you're carrying the baggage of guilt, if you're carrying any bags in your hand, then there's nothing, your, your, your hand isn't open. 
The only way that God can use you is if your hand is open. God can't put anything in your hand to be used by you if you're busy carrying around the baggage of guilt or the baggage of relationship. Whatever the bag's name is, if we have our hands closed because we're carrying the bag, how do we expect God to use that? It's time that we drop the weights. It's time that we stop lugging those ugly things around. And we open ourselves up to a God that doesn't sit here and say, what's he going to do next? But rather he's going to say, how can I use him? But do me a favor, would you stand as we, as we process this whole thing? Would you stand to your feet? Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you could. If you're able to stand, that is. Maybe you're here and you're like I was. You said, I, I don't really need that message this week. But maybe as you've sat there, you said, you know what? He's right. I'm struggling to let go of some things. The things that you want to hide from others. The things that you don't want anyone to know about you. That's where the guilt lies. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I talked to you a little bit today about what Jesus has done for you. That he died so that we don't have to be guilty. But the fact of the matter is is that if we don't trust him with our lives, we are. The only thing that can label you as guilty in the eyes of God is by not receiving his son, Jesus, not receiving the free gift that he has given you. It's free. But you don't have to receive it. You don't have to receive it. But if you do, God promises us freedom. He promises us salvation. He promises us eternal life with him. So let me ask you that. Maybe you're there and you, you say, Pastor Adam, I've never, I've never trusted God with my life. But I would like to know more about, about doing that. Would you, would you slip your hand up and say, say Pastor Adam, that's me. I've never trusted God with my life, anyone at all. As you stand there, I wanna, I wanna tell you to trust God with your life. You just, just tell him, say, God, I, I believe that Jesus was your son, that he died for me, that he rose again. Come into my life and save me. I trust you. Help me to follow you. How many say, Pastor Adam, I've, I've been living my life as someone that's guilty. Is there anybody like that? Anybody at all? Just tell me I didn't waste my time today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I want to pray for you. 
at the end of my, my prayer, we're going to sing a song before we're dismissed. And after you're dismissed, I want to invite you, if you've never been to my refuge, we're going to meet in the Littles room today. My refuge is an opportunity for you to, um, to learn more about our church. If you're here, maybe you're here even for the first time, and you want to know more about our church, stick around for an hour afterwards. Uh, we've got some snacks. Um, we meet in the, in the Littles room, which just ask somebody. They, they can show you where the Littles room is. And I'd I love to, to share with you more about the Refuge Church. Father, I thank you so much. That this is all about you. I thank you that you don't look at me as someone that is guilty. That I don't have to live in shame of what I've done. But Lord, I can live in freedom because of the blood of Jesus. So God, I pray that this week, that those of us that have been living in our, our lives, carrying around bags of guilt and shame, God, I pray that we would live free. I pray, God, that we would live in the blood of Jesus. That it would change the way that we relate to people. That it would change by the way that we relate to you. And that ultimately it would change by the, the way that we are used by you to tell others about the freedom that we have found in Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name.